Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to We Gotta Talk, where it's all about real talk and big topics. Uh, Solo episode today because it is the last week of school for my children, and it is bonkers. Every activity you can imagine happens on the last week of school. It's like the entire administration waits and pounces within the last two weeks. Teacher appreciation days, um, multiple, you know, requests for flowers and gifts and donations, um, in-house volunteering opportunities. I'm in the school every other day. In all fairness, today it was because I completely forgot one of the special days it was for my daughter and I had to run a hat and sunglasses back to her. We walk. This happens all the time to me and I wish that I, in my next life, I'll be a different person. I'll be a different parent, but um, I forget everything. And it is really a humbling experience to walk up and see the rest of the group of children that your child is part of with their, you know, designated item on for the day or the thing that they brought in for show and tell. I missed my kindergartner's show and tell day yesterday. And I missed my daughter's beach day today, my other daughter's beach day, which she was supposed to come in sunglasses and a hat. I just completely shit the bed and forgot. So of course had to run right home when it's their fault. They don't get it run back to them when it's my fault they get it run back. For my son, I totally forgot what clothing to send him in today. Thank God he is old enough to recognize like what day he needs to wear what. So he kept me in check this morning. But all of this to say, it has been an absolute just bonkers last few weeks. I was out of town this month. I did the Mom 2.0 conference, which was really fun. Um, you may or may not know this, but I have a podcast production company too. Ooh, so professional. And um, I was in Scottsdale with an amazing group of women a couple of weeks ago, um, appearing. I don't want to say that sounds, that's the wrong word. Uh, speaking, you know, a, a, appearing in a different professional version of myself is what I'm trying to say. Not necessarily for this podcast, but for our production company, it's called You Should Have a Podcast. And we work with individual entrepreneurs and small business owners to create podcasts. So this month has been a blur. So we had that for three days, which was amazing. By the way, you would think that getting a group of women together, hundreds of women together, like nearing a thousand, um, you know, in, in one place would be, I, I'm a little estrogen overload sometimes, like not personally, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't, this is going to sound awful. I don't like big groups of women. And I think that it's because of how I've been treated in the past. And this is completely my insecurities coming through and probably has much more to say about me and my insecurities than the lovely women that I'm ever around in any appreciable number, but I'm always, I'm always tentative and scared in front of groups of women. I don't know. It's my old scars coming back to haunt me, I think. But anyway, it actually ended up being amazing. You would think that it would be like, okay, too much, but amazing. It was so fun. Um, the time change was three hours. So we're, I was gaining three hours going West. Right. Um, and it was, I barely got there. That's a whole separate story. But um, when I did, it was fantastic. And it was so cool to talk to these like 
uh, just really engaged and intelligent group of women who are all about, you know, starting or growing their own businesses. There were a lot of brands there who were working on behalf of their companies to kind of get out awareness or give out free product and blah, blah, blah. Um, I will say this, though. I will never fly American Airlines again after the experience in getting to Scottsdale from Orlando. I did not know if we were going to make it alive. Um, we're in we're, we're in the plane. We are on three and a half hours. So we're about a half hour from landing in Scottsdale when we get a PA message from the pilot. And you know the pilot doesn't mess with the PA system on a flight unless there's an actual need, like an imminent an imminent problem or concern, you know, except to like let you know when you're landing or taking off. And he's like, uh, I just want to make a quick announcement, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're enjoying it. Right. Uh, this plane should never have been taken out of maintenance. So uh, we're going to turn around and land in, in, in Dallas for a maintenance issue. Now, mind you, we are three and a half hours in on this journey, a full 30,000 feet above the ground. I think that's the, the height that you fly at. Hearing from the pilot that the plane that you are currently trusting your life and existence to should never have been taken out of the hangar in the first place because there was a maintenance issue. Do you know what that does to someone with anxiety? <laughs> Just, I look over at the lady next to me. We become best of friends. There are two types of people in this world. In emergencies, you either wall off and it's an every man for himself or you look to the left, right, front and center for anyone who's going to help save your ass. And I'm in the second category. I look over at my neighbor and I'm in the exit row too. So mind you, I have verbally agreed to save the lives of the other people on the plane should there be a calamity or catastrophe. And I'm going to tell you something right now. That moment revealed to me that I am not made of the stuff that I thought I was made of. I was ready to lift my ass out of that emergency exit row and bolt for first class. I mean, it's terrible. I look over at her and we're like, is this i mean like and 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 this is the moment where you can see why people lose their mind on airplanes you hear all these stories or read all these stories about people especially during covid right tempers flaring over masks and having to wear them any little provocation is intensified by the altitude, right? So I, I firmly believe this is why people completely lose it in an airplane, not because the situation itself, although this situation was felt pretty serious, but because there's something about the isolation of being in the tube, flying 30,000 feet above the air, having absolutely no exit strategy that makes that makes any sense to like keep you alive, like, like no reasonable exit strategy that'll get you off that plane alive. <laughs> so everything is intensified. I look over at my neighbor. We become best of friends right away. I know who she is, what her job is. I'm distracting myself. I'm like, what are we going to do? She's like, I don't know, but I'm going to get some answers. And she presses the button. She calls this oh, really sweet, sweet flight attendant up. And this girl cannot be older than 19. Truly a little baby face. She's gorgeous. She's, she's still got a zest and, you know, excitement about the job. You can tell she comes over very pleasantly. She's not like, what? You know, when you press the button, sometimes they're like, oh, like, what's this? No, she came over with lots of energy and lots of enthusiasm, ready to answer our questions. And my, my new best friend, my neighbor, 11B, I was 11C, is like, what's going on? I need to know what's going on. And I'm like, oh God, like, don't do this. Like, she's not going to 
she didn't know anything else. And she's like, ma'am, I only know what you know right now, which is that there's a maintenance issue with the plane and that we're going to be turning around and landing in Dallas. And 11B is like, well, you know what that means. That means we're adding an extra three hours onto this flight. I'm supposed to be home right now. As if the whole rest of the plane was not supposed to be home. It's okay. But I'm like slowly like sinking into the corner, like, like, like melting into the fuselage. Like, oh God, I'm like not friends with her. I promise I didn't make her like full on, like ready to fight. Thankfully, she finally lets go. There's really nothing that these flight attendants can do. I mean, the sad fact of us all perishing, regardless of what our title is on the plane, because wildly apparent when, when you realize there's an issue with your plane, you're like, well, the only thing they can do for us is get us a nice cold Coke before we like crash and burn. So like, don't look to her for answers. She's just going to rush the cockpit. Like, what are we going to do? It is what it is. Um, I immediately grab my CBD gummies. I'm like mainlining my CBD. I mean, there's nothing else. Did you turn the plane around? Obviously everything is fine. Lots of discussion, lots of flaring tempers. I was certain that by the time we landed this plane, someone would be on the cover of the Daily Mail by like one of my fellow passengers would be on the cover of the Daily Mail for some sort of outrageous behavior. But thankfully we get there. We're fine. And in fact, they, they got us on the ground and they turned us right around to, to another gate, like two gates down and just put us right on that. No additional screening, no additional issues. We went in, we got our same seats on this new plane that we had on our old plane, but we come to find out, even think about it now after we get on the new plane and we all feel we feel grateful right we feel grateful to be alive we come to find out that the plane that we were flying on was overheating that the engines were overheating while we were flying <laughs> to which i say why couldn't we have just landed it a half hour we were a half hour from scottsdale at the time why did if the plane was ready to blow why did we turn it around and land it in dallas we why? I know that's where the maintenance is for this type of jet. I know this is where we had to go to get a fix, but it feels like it probably wasn't worth, you know, 300 lives to save a Boeing 321, whatever it was. It, you know, you know what I mean? Like the list, the priorities were really confusing. So maybe someone out there can explain to me how pilots make that decision and moreover, how they sound so calm in the face of death. I mean, we're, it feels like, that feels like a life and death situation, you know, to a lay person. You tell me my engines are overheating. I'm not like, oh, it's just like, you know, we needed to, it's not like what we needed to buff out a couple of, you know, smudges on the, on the, on the exterior window, like the engine was overheating. And I, I know this because I asked one of the flight attendants, the new crew that came on, he's like, oh yeah. He's like, that's what was happening. You know, the engines were overheating. I was like, <gasps> it's. It's just all, it was all a little too much. So needless to say, we made, we made it alive. There were some dicey moments there. There were, there was a full body sweat happening. Thank God for my CBD gummies. Um, I'm, it, it was, it was everything that an anxious person never needs. <laughs> and I'm not usually an anxious flyer. I just, you know, have my moments, but I'm like, oh my I'm never flying American again. And I hate to say it. I'm sure they're lovely people. It's not the employee's fault that this happened. I mean, it kind of is their fault. It kind of is their fault, though, that they took this out of me. They took this particular jet out of maintenance when it wasn't supposed to. But, you know, 
all's well that ends well, right? Anyhow, all of this to say, it's been a crazy month. Since then, we've had multiple dance competitions. We know how I feel about dance mom life. It's a love-hate relationship, if I'm being honest. Um, there's nothing like spending 12 hours in a dark auditorium surrounded by young girls dancing in skimpy costumes being judged on um, a very subjective level and not only their abilities, but also their looks in a very thinly veiled way that can there's nothing like it that can just boost your mood for a whole weekend. So it's been a roller coaster of, um, it's been a roller coaster of a couple of weeks, a, a few weeks, actually the whole month of May. Uh, we, Andrew and I had our 12th anniversary and I was in, um, I was at a dance competition watching my daughter in Daytona beach, you know, on a random Sunday. So it's all good. Um, one second here. Anyway, let's catch up on a few things that have been happening in and around here, in and around the world. Um, if you've been watching or following along at all on Instagram, um, I've been updating. Uh, I didn't really want to, but then I just realized, my God, it's kind of part of my job to like share some of this. And then I was nervous and then I wasn't nervous. But anyway, I had an issue with my boob. And thank God, knock on all the wood and Formica and fake marble, things are fine. But I do want to take this opportunity to remind all of my fellow ladies out there that you got to keep on top of feeling yourself up. You got to feel around in there. You got to do your self-exam, your little, you know, like all around. You do it. You put your hand up. You do it around. Make sure you're on top of this stuff, guys. This turned out to be not a big issue, but I will say that in typical sunny medical anxiety fashion, I maybe had my wig planned out and I was already preemptively angry at Andrew's new girlfriend and was cursing her existence for raising my children when I should have been there. I mean, like I had the whole scene. <laughs> I'm just not equipped for this. I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm not equipped for life. Anyhow, all of this to say, here's what was going on. So this is a little TMI. And if you're queasy, you know, I don't know, skip through, maybe not. Um, if you've ever nursed, you know that there's like a lot happening on the breast that you don't realize is functional until you start breastfeeding. Like, so these milk ducts and things are coming out and things are getting stuck and things are getting crusty and you got to get in there and you get, so I would say about three years ago, which was several years after I'd stopped nursing my last child. She's now, she just turned six. I nursed her for two years. So maybe about the year after that and the following year, I started to notice this little white thing, like right under my nipple. I'm like, that's weird. Kind of messed around with it. It felt like it was like a little clogged pore. So I'd pop it every now and then. It's gross. But I mean, we can't be friends if you don't pop ingrown hairs, strange things on your breasts. I mean, it is what it is. Don't act squeamish. <laughs> so I'm popping it for a couple of years. I'm taking care. I think I'm taking care of it. And it got to a point probably over the past year where I was like, Ooh, I can't, I can't take care of this thing of myself anymore, but I'm letting it go and letting it go and letting it go just because I'm like, well, it can't be that bad. I'm, I'm still getting my mammograms. Everything is fine. Well, I wake up probably two months, not two months ago, probably about a month ago now. And I'm having actual pain in the spot right under my nipple on my left breast where this growth is and it's getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, what is happening? I mean, like this thing has existed before. I jokingly called it my second nipple, like two for the price of one on the left. And, but I also know it shouldn't feel like this. So I have a friend, one of the, my, my fellow amazing dance moms, who's a doctor and I whip out my boob at a recent competition. And I'm like, listen, we know each other, like, not like this, but like, 
we know each other well enough for me to show you this. So can I just, and I lift it up and I show her this spot under my nipple and, and, and it's, it's growing and it hurts. And she's like, does it hurt? Blah, blah, blah. I said, just touch it, just touch it and push on it and tell me what you think it is. So this is when it pays to have really smart friends. So she says, listen, I think it's like, it feels like a lipoma to me or some kind of like, it doesn't feel, you know, like, or look like it's anything more dangerous or more, more harmful or more, you know, more of a concern than that. But get it checked out. Let, you know, let me know what happens. So I go into the job. I mean, this is all it takes for me in my incredibly heightened state of anxiety 95% of the time to immediately like if I had the doctor's cell phone I would have been like on a Sunday like get me in for an exam I got in quickly um with my gynecologist this was uncomfortable it was a guy and I'm a very like modern kind of bitch like you know I know I know gynecologists can be men I just don't prefer that mine be a man and that's not discriminatory it's just to say if you have the parts then you know what I'm saying a little bit more when I talk about them. You know what I mean? Like, how could a guy understand what it's like to get sliced open and have a baby yanked out of your abdomen? I mean, I think they can appreciate it and empathize with it, but I don't think they can understand it. Same with matters of the vag. Like, I I, I can appreciate that you studied a lot of them. You maybe have seen more of them. But do you, anyway, all of this to say, you know I was desperate. I was like, I'll t I don't care if Big Bird shows up and sticks his beak on it. Like, figure out what this is. So I get in with my gynecologist. We do the whole thing. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, it's kind of embarrassing to have a, um, I, I know this sounds strange and maybe you're a more evolved person than I am, but having a man just, I was just like, okay, you know, they had the woman in there. It was very, he was wonderful. There was nothing wrong with that experience at all. I'm just saying my level of like discomfort. This is how desperate I was to get this checked out. I would, I, I literally would have let the, the man that ate another man's face off under a bridge in Miami, high on meth, check out my breast. If he had, if he had the medical wherewithal and knowledge, I would have let him do it. So we get it checked out. He says the same thing. He's like, listen, pokes around a little bit, feels under the lymph nodes. Listen, I, I, I think I agree with your doctor friend. This feels like a lipoma or some cyst of some sort, but let's just get you scanned just to be sure. And I'm like, you know, that feeling you get, like, I know this is what doctors do. I know this is what doctors are supposed to do. This is what I want my doctor to do. I want my medical practitioners to be extremely proactive and preventive in their care. Hell, I, I get scans. I get voluntary testing all day long. I've had thermography, hormone panels, saliva panels, blood panels, stool sample. I've done a Z-hole gamut, like the whole gamut of testing. So I'm glad that he did that. But you know what a doctor says, oh, I think we should look into this further. You're just like, like immediate, like immediate, like, like throw up feeling. So anyway, thank God that I got in quickly. Thank God for my anxious mind. I got in quickly to get my mammogram. I was due for my mammogram in June anyway. So here we are. I'm of the firm belief that when October breast cancer awareness month happens, I like to be able to say in my little twisted mind, Oh, I checked that one off six months ago already. Even though it mean it's absolutely meaningless when you do it, as long as you do it once a year, this is just the level of, this is just the level of, um, compulsiveness that I operate on. I like to be able to like mentally check things off. So I'm like, this is great. I'm due anyway. It, it pushes me back up earlier in the month. So next year I can get my mammogram even earlier in June and how wonderful, so I go in yesterday, I get it scanned. By the way, I do have a, techno, a, a technician there who's 
pretty much my best friend. It's only my second year going, but when I went last year, her name is Silvana. Um, I, I had her and she was so, oh, she was just so warm and kind and gentle with my breasts. And in like the most non-sexual of ways, obviously, like I was just like, oh, with such care, I've had mammograms before where the tech was angrily handling my chest. And, and I'm not going to say where that was because it would, it feels unfair to call somebody out, but I know women out there know this when someone, it's the same with the gynecologist is handling a part of your body that is usually not exposed to the public. Like I, I need you, I need you to buy me dinner first. You know what I mean? <laughs> like work me down, work my nerves down. Let talk to me, ask me how my day was, ask me how many kids I have, ask me what, do something to just, just like a gentle touch. I've had women text before that if pretty much bodily forced my breast into these two glass plates. And I'm like, you know, this just feels like not fair play. Like not for, but fair play. This feels not fair. This feels like we should be on a more, we should be on a kinder level. Like I want a little bit of a relationship with you, emotional relationship for you before I give you my breasts to handle. So I got to request my favorite tech again and she gets me in there and we hug and I remembered her from last year and I remembered her by name. You better believe I requested her. This is by the way, why when, when I go out and in my day-to-day -day life and I'm actually interested in engaging with people and meeting new people and talking, this is why, because I derive such a sense of comfort from knowing the people who surround me in my daily life and who who, who are around, like, I want to know these people. I'm going to see you every year. I want to know how many kids you have. I want to know where they're in school. I want to know what they're studying. I want to know Sylvana's from Romania. I want to know all about why she came to the U.S. She tells me about her siblings. She tells me about the, she is a, an angel, okay, is what I'm trying to say. Because in a state of extreme discomfort, when you're physically, like, you know, if you've had a mammogram, right, they do this thing where they like, the machine goes all the way up and all the way, you know, under the breast. And it, they squeeze in there so much flesh you didn't even know existed around your pectoral muscles. And it doesn't hurt. It's just not what I want to do on a Tuesday, you know, typically. But she made it wonderful. And, and um, you know, just being able to talk to someone through that, like, really uncomfortable experience was meant the world to me. So just a huge shout out. This is not sponsored. I mean, I really do hope to work with them someday, <laughs> but I'm serious. Um, Advent Health here in, in the Orlando area, just a fantastic experience. And I believe so strongly in when you have a positive experience with someone who has worked with you in some form or fashion, I, I'm the person who writes reviews online, only positive ones. I don't like, I'm not trying to care in a situation. Um, but when I have a great experience, like I believe strongly in, in, in trumpeting that to the world. So I, I'm just so grateful. And so she got me my images done quickly. They got them right to the doctor. We did the ultrasound and I was able, thank God, to get the good news right away that it, it is a, some sort of subdermal cyst or something. So I need to go back and get it chopped out. But thank God there was nothing else of concern they found um, on the imaging, which just, you know, makes my, never, did you ever watch um, Beetlejuice make my millennia? <laughs> Just made my millennia. It made my whole year until next year when I have to go through and do this again. Um, so yeah, shout out to my fellow dense breast tissue ladies, the ultrasound, 
is like really pleasant and wonderful when you're pregnant. It doesn't feel weird, but the ultrasound on the breast is just a lot less, it's a lot less enjoyable. You know what I mean? And they're like, anyway, all of this to say, I had a wonderful experience with the staff at the mammogram center yesterday and go just check your breasts, ladies, you know, just be familiar with what feels with, with what it should feel like so that you know when something is off. I will say this. I have been, and I have spoken to people, friends of mine who work in the medical field who anecdotally confirm this too. I'm hearing a lot of stories about women in their thirties being diagnosed with breast cancer. And, you know, something's in the water and I ain't drinking the water is all I'm saying. I'm drinking my triple filtered reverse osmosis water. Hold on. That may sound unrelatable, but to be honest, I will come out of pocket any day and spend $600 on anything I perceive to be helping with my health, even if it has a negligible to zero impact on the actual situation. But anyway, um, yeah. So here we are. We're healthy. We're living to see another day. I'm so grateful for it. We're getting ready to go to Italy next month. I am beginning what I like to call the second chapter of my life. It's a very original, a very original descriptor. Um, no, I, um, I, if you, again, I hate to keep saying this, but if you've been following along on Instagram or if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know, I've been taking Italian lessons for three years now. I, um, I did start the process of dual citizenship and contacted the consulate in Miami a couple of years ago to like get that started. And then it, COVID happened and, and things froze. So that's technically on pause, but I, we are going to Italy with the kids for a few weeks this summer. And I could not be more excited to be able to show them the country where my entire family came from. Like confirmed by 23 and me. I was always told we're Italian. I was like, oh, okay. how Italian can we be? We're in America. Well, thanks to the joy of science, I did my little swab test. 96% Italian and the rest North African. So there you have it. Your girl is only literally, I mean, like genetically speaking from like one little tiny corner of the world. I was like, give me something exotic. Give me Swedish. Give me, give me American, Native American. Give me something that ties me to like a different part of the, so I can just at least, you know, begin to research and investigate and feel, feel a connection with nothing. I got my pasta people. And I've got North Africa, all like Egypt and stuff. I mean, it's wild, the fact that we have this technology. But anyway, all of this to say, um, it's just a really cool and affirming experience to be able to bring the kids there and not growing up, not being able to do that. And in fact, my grandfather, my mom's dad, who, who came here to America when he was young, only up into a sixth grade education. I mean, ended up, I, I've said this before. I'm so proud of this man. Ended up being a master plumber. Um, he could look at a room and tell you where, where the pipes were, what needed. I, he, his, his intelligence was off the charts. Just an amazing, wonderful man. It's so ironic though, because he came here and he wanted nothing to do with, with keeping you know an active sort of relationship with his mother country and home country. Because to him... They came here to find more money and find a better life and find opportunity that didn't exist. They were date farmers in, in central South Italy. So to, to have this moment of a full circle and being able to bring the kids there 
and show them where they come from on the side of the family. It's just so, so, so exciting to me. And I'm a dork and I'm excited and I can't wait to get there and speak the most horrible Italian to all of the natives. <laughs> and just, I don't care how bad it sounds. I I got there last year. It was my first trip last year and I did a whole episode on it. It's called Meet Me in Italy. If you guys want to look it up, it's on the feed. Um, and I have never felt more immediately familiar with a group of people, like from the way they looked. I mean, everything. They're just like, this is, I was like, oh my God, this is like the town I grew up in, except like the actual, it was insane to the cuisine and being familiar, obviously to an extent with everything they were serving and, and finding new variations on recipes and things that my family had always made. I mean, I just, I've never felt more joy. And I know that that's a complete tourist perspective and that there's a lot more to a country than what I see in a hotel or driving on a highway, but I don't, I don't give a shit. I am so deeply and blindly in love and I cannot wait to bring the kids back. So we're in the kind of got daydreaming there for a second. Hold on. Uh, so we're in the process now of um, getting everything packed and I'm a firm believer in, in preparation. Like I'm not going to prepare for the last week of school well. I'm going to forget my daughter's sunglasses and hat. I'm going to forget that it's show and tell day, but I will not mess up on packing the ultimate carry-on bag for all three of my children. <laughs> this is a personal goal of mine, like nothing else. So I'm starting the process right now of looking online and finding six to seven days worth of clothes. We're going to be there for three weeks. So I need six to seven days worth of clothing that I can roll and pack in packing cubes. If you don't pack in packing cubes, you're just, I, I can't, it will change your travel experience. It just makes everything neater and more compact. And it just allows you, it just frees up so much space. Anyway, so I'm in the process right now of finding, you know, what we currently have from their closets, digging out some things that don't scream trashy American tourist. So we're, we're nixing all basketball shorts and Nike gear for my son. We love it here. It works here. It's not going to work there. We want to look a little more put together. We want to try to elevate the, you know, the, the visual experience. So I'm working now on like getting all of their outfits nailed down. I'm going to lay it out, take photos. I mean, the OCD really comes out in times like this and get it all rolled up and packed up. The goal is to have each of us have a carry on. And perhaps I'm saying this, realizing this might not be possible, perhaps even pack two of the children or all three of the kids clothing items only in one carry on. Cause they're small, you know, that when you roll them up and then put them in the packing cube, they don't really take up that much space. So ideally I'd love to get them all in one suitcase, clothing only another carry on, all their toiletries, and then Andrew and I. So four total. Pray for me. You guys had some really good suggestions on Instagram for where to buy boys' clothing that was not like overly athletic looking. I got it's actually some really great suggestions for like surf brands like O'Neill and what was the other one? Because Vol Volcom, I don't know, one of those um, that have like really nice like collared shirts and and elastic waistband or comfy shorts, but that look a little fancier. Zara kids was huge. Um, so I'm going to check out some of their stuff, even though I try, I try so hard to stay away from the fast fashion stuff, but we'll do it. We'll do it if we have to. And in, in this instance, I do feel like we're really going to get a lot of wear out of this clothing. So we're going to pack some cute stuff for the girls. I've got my a wardrobe on lock. I think, I think we're going with two pairs of shoes only pray for me, a sneaker and a flat sandal. So it should be good. It's going to be great. 
my boobs are going to get better. I'm going to have my little mini surgery. We're going to take off to Italy. It's going to be great. I have family coming in to stay at the house. So we're going to have people here while we're there. It's going to be great. Um, so yeah, that's what's been going on around here. I do want to share this little bit of health news. Speaking of traveling, if you're coming to Florida, this is something to be aware of. There are many things to like and dislike about Florida. And I won't get into the politically leaning talking points. I do feel like I, I want to dive into some of the more serious criticisms of Florida, um, justified and unjustified in an upcoming episode, because I feel like when you, it's easy to hate from afar. It really is. And there's some really awful things about living in Florida, but there's some really great things about living in Florida too. The words I never thought I would say. Um, but anyway, this isn't that. Um, this is what you need to know if you're coming to visit Florida, if you're one of my friends from the North, you know, one of my Pittsburgh people, and you're thinking of coming and spending some beach time in Florida, I hope the tourism board doesn't hate me for saying this, but you might want to watch, you might want to watch yourself. You might want to book an inland trip, say to Orlando. You might want to stay away from the beautiful Atlantic shores because there's a flesh eating bacteria washing ashore and more is expected. So there are these um, big clumps of algae. You've probably seen photos going like viral. I know this was happening in Mexico, I believe last year or the year before where you were seeing people um, helping to clean up these massive piles of, of algae that were washing ashore. It's called sargassum. It's a brown microalgae that resembles seaweed and has been expanding in the Sargasso Sea and other parts of the ocean. So this seaweed is becoming a host for this flesh-eating bacteria. It's called the Vibrio vulnificus strain of bacteria. And what happens is when those two those two things meet, it's creating this flesh-eating bacteria that in some cases can be deadly. And right now there's a 5,000 mile wide clump of this sargassum algae floating toward Florida. It is almost twice the width of the continental United States. And they think that this is being fed by plastic in the ocean. So this is what happens when you mix together a bunch of waste and trash and things that don't belong there with our natural ecosystem bad things happen. If I could be political for a moment, stop buying plastic water bottles. This is one small thing you can do. Um, I try not to, listen, we all, we have to do it once in a while when you're traveling or when you want convenience, but can you just not for day-to-day -day life? Is it that much harder to take a jar or jar, to take a jug or a refillable water bottle of some sort and just pass that bitch right under your faucet for a minute and fill it up? Like, is it that much harder? I don't think it's that much harder. Um, what's happening is all this junk that isn't getting recycled, going into the ocean, mixing up, making these chemical concoctions that mix with things that are occurring naturally in the ocean. And this is the kind of stuff that happens. And, you know, we're not talking apocalyptic changes here, but I do think this is kind of a visual sign of like humanity's complete reticence and refusal to change their lazy habits a little bit. Like we, we, we could cut back on plastics. I don't want to take away anyone's plastic straw. I know what that's, I, I know the e emotional blowback that will result if I <laughs> merely hint that or suggest that. But what I'm saying is when, when you're talking about a 5,000 mile wide clump of poisonous seaweed ready to wash ashore because there's a bunch of trash in the ocean. If we can make small changes, we can, we should make small changes. You know what I mean? But anyway, not only should you watch out for this, if you're traveling to Florida, but really anywhere that's exposed to this belt of sargassum 
algae. So just be aware of it. Don't go into the ocean with any open cuts or open wounds. In fact, this flesh-eating bacteria, I saw one statistic on Newsweek, which covered this story, and it said that one in five people die when they contract this. This is serious shit. So don't be going, you nick your legs when you're, when you're shaving, don't go in. You know, you, you have a little blister on the back of your foot, don't go into the ocean. And on top of that, if you're walking the ocean and you have, not walking the ocean, walking the shore, if you have compromised lung function, the uh, experts here are saying you should avoid any area where these sargassum blooms are piled up because it releases hydrogen sulfide, the stuff that smells like rotten eggs, and it can irritate your lungs. It can also cause eye irritation and in high doses can cause, to, can cause convulsions, dizziness, headaches, weakness, and nausea. Welcome to Florida. We've got it all. We got something for everyone here. So there you go. There's your health department warning. If you're coming down to Florida, Orlando Board of Tourism, please hire me because this is a great incentive to tell people to come inland, hang out with the gators in the freshwater instead. Just kidding. Um, just keep it safe. Go to Volcano Bay, you know, go to a water park or something. But you should know that. I feel I felt compelled to share that with my fellow travelers because I know there are a lot of people who come down here in this wonderful sunshine state for a little family vacation in the summertime and it's not necessarily safe this year. So you've been warned. Anyhow, lots more updates that are going to be happening in the coming weeks. I didn't mention this before, but we're we're moving to moving to not like T-O, but T-O-O. So I got a whole nother set of, you know, craziness that's going to be happening over the next year. <laughs> um, so yeah, I look forward to keeping you guys updated. I'm horrible on these solo episodes because sometimes I feel like who gives a shit what I have to say. But then I think it's kind of fun to just talk about stuff that's happening day to day, P to P, person to person, peer to peer, B to B, breast to breast. If you have your breasts, get them checked. This is your final reminder. Okay, thank you guys for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Um, find us online, wegotatalk.com. The blog is always updated. In fact, I did a great episode recently with like this meal delivery company. I believe it's the one before this on the feed. You need to check that out because um, it's an incredible prepared meal service. They have a, a, a promo code for us. Um, anyone who wants to try their five-day meal plan, it's called the five-day reset. You get lunch and dinner, you get a bunch of extra stuff, whatever. Um, go to wegotatalk.com slash blog and the code for their site is listed in the latest blog post. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. -T -T All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. <laughs>